And 120 on Tuesdays means Brandon Adams joins the show, host of the Dog Nation Daily podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily. Brought to you by R.S. Andrews Air Conditioning, Heating, Plumbing, and Electrical. B.A., how are you? I am doing great. Hope you guys are as well. Hopefully the R.S. Hopefully the R.S. Andrews stuff is working good because it is cold. It's chilly. No doubt. It's no doubt. Sorry you lost your coach, Andy. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, yeah, me too. Um, we'll talk. Let's talk about that. Um, what, what did you uh, – because we haven't uh, – yeah, as if it wasn't cold enough at my house. Now this. Um, we haven't talked to you since Saban's retirement. We, we talked Tuesday and really kind of no idea that that was going to happen. Wednesday he makes yeah. the announcement. What did you make of what happened after that in Tuscaloosa? Sort of the rumors of, okay, we're going after this guy, but he doesn't want it. He's getting a raise. He's staying here. And then ultimately culminating with uh, Kalen DeBoer accepting the job on Friday afternoon. So it's sort of a classic SEC coaching search in that there's some initial room for panic because the thought of, oh, everybody's turning down the Alabama job. But we obviously know it's a very attractive job, even if it does mean following and saving footsteps. So you ultimately end up landing on a guy with a really substantial resume. And clearly, you know, and Andy, you know this as well as anybody, you know, DeBoer's a real winner. He's got a long winning streak for the most part, I guess, into a national championship, but uh, of like winning games against ranked opponents, things like that. This is a guy that's really done some winning. Now, for Tuscaloosa, what I have preferred, if I was an Alabama fan, someone like Dan Lanning, who probably knows the landscape of the region a little bit better, I, I think I probably would. I think there was some initial thought that Bama fans, maybe some wishful thinking that, oh, there's a grand plan unfolding here. You know, the fact that guys like Mike Norvell and Dan Lanning and Steve Sarkeesian got the chance to sort of get over on Bama before Bama made its hire sort of suggests that all of this wasn't exactly preordained. But from a resume standpoint, you can't do much better than what Kalen DeBoer has in terms of the games that he's won. So from that standpoint, you clearly have that to sell if you're out of fans. What about the hire that Georgia got? I saw obviously, uh, you know, there was an opportunity for Kalen DeBoer to keep him uh, as the D.C. in Alabama. He decided to go back to Georgia. I don't know a lot about him. All of from what I've just read about him over the weekend is that Georgia has got a slim dunk hire. Obviously, Will Muschamp is going to an analyst, and he's going to be the new yeah. D.C. co-defensive coordinator with Schumann. Yeah, it's good to keep Will Muschamp in the program, first of all, because that's a guy that clearly has a lot of expertise. And if he wants to step away, then keeping him in the analyst role while you know bringing in a guy like Travaris Robbins, who does know the landscape of the SEC so well, that's a real win for Georgia. But for the most important reason of all that T-Rob is a good hire for UGA, is that Alabama wanted him and Georgia prevented them from getting him. And sometimes it is that simple. I don't mean to be so spiteful, but I am as God made me. Sometimes (laughs) when it comes to Bama wants the guy and Georgia's able to keep Alabama from getting him, that defines the value of the coaching move perhaps as much as anything else. Yeah, plus, I mean, it would have been exactly the type of guy that DeBoer needs to have there, who knows the landscape and can recruit down here and all of that kind of stuff. So to me, it's it's one of those ones where it's big for Georgia, but it feels like a bigger loss for Bama. Does that make sense? Yeah, SEC football is a zero-sum game. Yeah. When I do right. win, I'm taking something from you. And if I were a Monday morning quarterback from a couple of hundred miles away, anything about Kalen DeBoer beginning his time at Alabama, I, I think he probably would have been wise, knowing you've got Ryan Grubb in your back pocket, go out and secure your defensive coaches first because those are the guys that you don't have the automatic relationship with and those are the guys that perhaps – you need to have strong ties to the SEC. Announce Ryan Grubb, you know, four days later and get a guy like T-Rob locked in right away. If there's any part of this as a rookie SEC coach, seeming like DeBoer kind of got caught off guard, it's the fact that he announced, like, you know, Grubb and some of these Washington guys 
that were fairly easy hires for him and seemed like then he turned his attention to defense, he maybe should have done that in the opposite order. They tried to get Grubb last offseason, too. Yeah, they did. They're, That's they're right. Alabama uh, was in the mix, or they tried to be in the mix for him last year. You're yeah, welcome, no Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Stocking the coaching staff down there, no problem. Hey, B.A., what did you think about this uh, Juju kid reclassifier earlier today? Well, it is certainly very interesting on a number of fronts because, like, the one thing we see happening is, you know, he is currently a USC commit, and almost everything about USC seems to be kind of – I don't know, sort of disintegrating here right now, which is probably too strong of a word to use. No, but my point is, is they don't go into the Big Ten with the cache they once had. And think about all the coaching carousel stuff we're watching here, both college and pro. You don't hear Lincoln Riley's name mentioned at all. Now, part of that's because USC has been thought to be a great job, but Riley's just not quite in the zeitgeist the way that he was at some point in time. And sort of post-Caleb Williams, I don't think we really know what USC is. So the idea that Juju is a – guarantee to sort of stick with USC, I would say that's kind of up for grabs anyway. And by going from a class of 2026 process, uh, prospect to a class of 2025, I do think it kind of puts Georgia a little bit more on the radar for Lewis, or maybe Lewis more on Georgia's radar, because after not getting Dylan Raiola, 2025 is a quarterback need for UGA. I can tell you this, just from my own you know, eyewitness accounts, is that Juju still came to a lot of UGA games this year. Now, some of that is just, it's the place to be. You want to be on campus. And, you know, I don't want to make more of that than it was. But there was at least two or three times that I saw Juju at Georgia games here this year. So, you know, the relationship is still strong. I think he's got, you know, visits coming up to UGA. So, you know, the idea that Georgia was still a factor in his recruitment was probably to a certain extent true anyway. And now the reclassification would clearly give you an idea that Lewis has got his future very much in mind here right now. Yeah, I don't know. It kind of feels like bad news for USC. I don't know that it will be or not, but just you don't you don't do all of this without some other plan in mind, I wouldn't think. Brent, no, absolutely. Brandon absolutely. Adams joining us here on the Midday Show with Andy and Randy, host of the Dog Nation Daily podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily. So with Saban retiring, it seems very much like Harbaugh is headed to the NFL uh, as well. That's two of the, the top dogs in college football. Obviously, Kirby is up there with anybody. Um, what's the landscape at the top look like now? Like, it, I think everything has shifted a bit with Dabo over the last couple of years. Like, I don't know, Kirby and then who? Yeah, it seems like it's really kind of up for grabs right now because I think you're right that Dabo Swinney went from a guy who is like the obvious candidate to get the Alabama job a few years ago to the point where I'm not sure they really wanted him this time around, which gives you an idea of how his star is falling. I'll tell you another guy who's not perhaps in the same situation, but it's a very important year. I think that's Ryan Day at Ohio State. You know, listen, Ohio State's still going to be like a preseason top four team, so this may seem overstated to some. The truth is they've got a long losing streak against Michigan, and they've got a very weird scenario at quarterback right now where their attempt to, like, upgrade from Kyle McCord, I'm not exactly sure how successful that was bringing in – the Kansas State quarterback. So Day is supposed to be in the category with Kirby Smart. I'm just not quite so sure that he is. I think Dan Lanning staying in Oregon is a very interesting situation right now. Now, I realize he lost twice when it counted this year to uh, Washington. I do understand that. But my gosh. Uh, Yeah, and last year too, yeah. But talent acquisition, you know, I, I think Oregon could perhaps step into the Big Ten as maybe the best team in the entire league. So Lanning may be the kind of coach on the rise as much as anybody possibly is. But there is clearly an opening at the top. And what's going to decide it is this. Almost everybody from, like, the top of the SEC, top of the Big Ten, 
everyone's playing tougher schedules. So who navigates those tougher schedules, more challenging games than you've previously played in the past? That's going to be the kind of proving ground where we sort of see what is the new top tier since there is no Saban and quite likely no Jim Harbaugh's well. B.A., who do you want the Falcons to hire as a head coach? <laughs> Anybody but Bill Belichick. <laughs> Listen, let me say this just really quick. You know, obviously you have to have somewhat meager goals in life. And to me, if I was in charge of making this Falcons coaching hire, I look at very high draft capital, use the last few years on kind of skilled position type offensive dudes. And we don't know if these guys are good or not, really, because of the fact that Falcons offense stumbled as much as it did. I'd be thinking offensive-minded coach, try to unlock that potential, see what you can do at quarterback. I do not want this Falcons job to be Bill Belichick's sort of farewell tour, retirement job. That's not the kind of thing Atlanta ought to aspire to, I do not believe. That's probably already done. He's going to probably be the guy, I guess. I don't want it to be Bill Belichick. Yeah, I think the it just feels to me like the – because you're not alone. Like, a lot of people feel that way. We talked about it last week. There's a poll, a, a poll that the radio station put up. It was so against Belichick, it was, it was almost shocking. Um, doesn't that make it seem more likely that it is Belichick? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> just like, yeah. given the history – and I know, like, for the, the, the casual person who's listening, because people are listening right now who are not as big a sports fan as a lot of the audience is, they're like, why wouldn't you want the greatest coach of all time? Well, it's because, I mean, look at some of the strange things he's done here in New England. There's a certain point when you've achieved so much power, there's no one to tell you no. And then you start doing really weird things. I think some of the stuff that Belichick has done in kind of the last part of his tenure there at New England, that's not the kind of stuff I want to see imported here to Atlanta, not by a long shot. Brandon, we appreciate, appreciate it, it as always. Thank you. Yeah, fun to be with you guys. Thanks a lot.